Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back to the show, Queens. We've got Dr. Amy Bender on today. Let me tell you about um, Amy. Dr. Bender received her PhD and Master of Science degree in experimental psychology from Washington State University, specializes specializing in sleep EEG. Her current research focuses on the relationship of sleep and recovery on athletic performance. She's developed sleep intervention protocols for numerous Canadian national teams. Her research interests stem from being an athlete herself. She's a Hall of Fame basketball player, has summited a handful of volcanoes, completed an Ironman in 2009, and currently runs around chasing her three children who are all five and under. Um, Thanks so much for being on, Dr. Bender. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, I am obsessed with sleep right now. (laughs) (laughs) Having a little 20-month-old who likes to get up at like 5.30 in the morning still. So um, I've been really researching this topic. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Great. Yes, I have a uh, 11-month-old. He's about to turn one. So I totally understand the challenges. Yeah. (laughs) Uh And you've got some some busy ones with the little one too. So, um, yeah, let's get started. Yeah. So I'm really curious what made you decide on sleep as a specialty area? Well, I, uh, I got my bachelor's degree in psychology and, and I had one course, uh, biology of psychology actually. And there was one section on sleep and it just completely fascinated me. And my aunt was a sleep technologist and she, she was talking to me and she said, you know, Hey, come up here and come, you know, see what I do. And so I, I went up there. She showed me the hookups where she hooked up patients with electrodes that was monitoring their brainwave activity, just all the physiology related to sleep and showed me, you know, how she scores sleep, and it just really got me hooked. And I ended up landing a job at um, the Sleep and Performance Research Center as a sleep technologist there. Wow. Worked there for about five years as a technologist and then decided to go to graduate school. So I, I felt like I was kind of at a ceiling with where I was at, I wasn't able to design studies, you know, um, research things I was interested in. So that's why I went the graduate school route and um, ended up doing a postdoc here in, in Calgary, working with Olympic athletes. 
And I guess the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. What a background. Right. Uh It's so amazing how backwards we have things. We came from a conference not too long ago, Mm -hmm. and there was a gentleman speaking on it, and he was saying how, like, you could link about any and every mood disorder to sleep disturbances, but yet, like, I searched and searched and was so excited to find you because you really can't hardly find anybody, especially in the athletic realm that specializes in sleep. And same with nutrition. It feels like we're finally putting that as a priority, but it's amazing how it seems like it's really hard to find anybody that specializes in it. I know there are, um, there are only a handful of us who are more sleep scientists working with athletes. Um, there are sports scientists who do a little bit of work with sleep, but they're really, you know, it's just kind of a little interest for them. They might do a project here or there, but, but honestly, I mean, there's only a handful of us, who are sleep scientists focusing on athletic performance and athlete well-being. Mm -hmm. So important, though. So I would like to ask you, why do you think we are seeing such sleep disturbances, especially in our younger athletes right now? I think it probably has to do with their, their schedule. I mean, they're balancing so many things. They're trying to balance school. Some of them may work if they're in college, um, train, and it's just hard to fit it all in. And um, a lot of times school is in the early mornings or training is in the early morning. And that's just not in line with their bi- biology. I mean, their melatonin is still being released at that time. And they simply just can't go to bed early enough um, to get enough nighttime sleep. And so they're tired, they're exhausted, you know, they're, they have mood disturbances, they have potentially reaction time problems. I mean, there's higher risk for accidents if school start times are earlier. So I think there's a number of factors and probably just trying to balance so many things is kind of the main thing. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about how sleep disturbances do affect our mood? They absolutely do. I mean, there's... uh, those, I mean, it's kind of a bi-directional relationship. So a lot of times depression and mood disturbances can cause sleep disturbances. And then sleep, disturbance, sleep disturbances can also cause mood disturbances mm-hmm. and are at higher risk for depression. So we don't quite understand that relationship too well. Um, in some of the work that we've done here, we've, tried to optimize sleep, for example, in um, curling Olympic curlers, rowers, speed skaters. And what we find is that during, you know, after that optimization, after that two-week period, their their mood improves. So we see less, hmm. less uh, ratings of depression. We see higher ratings of energy. We see, you know, lower ratings of, of sleepiness and um, less anxiety. So there is, there seems to be a relationship with sleep optimization and um, improving mood. Mm-hmm. You know, I've only having my own issues with sleep. I've done a lot of studying, but could you tell our listeners what happens during sleep? I don't think we just lay there. There's a lot of active rest that's critical for healing, not only as an athlete, but also just the brain. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, sleep is is so important for our uh, overall well-being. I mean, it impacts your functioning, your decision-making. If you have better sleep, you're at um, lower risk for heart attacks and diabetes and obesity. So it definitely is really important for our overall functioning. Um, What was the... Sorry, what was the... Well, Second like, part of that question. What happens with our, you know, the brain? Oh, what? Yes, what's actually going on? So um, we're, our brain is actually very active when we're sleeping. So some parts are actually even more active than when we're awake. So when you're dreaming, there are certain parts of the brain that are actually more active than when you're awake. Um, and so we fluctuate between non-REM sleep and REM sleep across the night in about 90-minute cycles. REM sleep is when we're actively dreaming, although we can dream in any stage of sleep. Um, and so REM sleep is involved in procedural memory and learning. And non-REM sleep, so non-rapid eye movement sleep, is more involved in um, kind of pruning the stuff that that doesn't really matter. Um, we can't really control how we fluctuate through the stages, so that's, that's difficult to control, but we can try and optimize sleep by doing certain things um, throughout the day that will help us get potentially more deeper sleep, make us wake up less often, just have more restful sleep. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. So in your research, could you give some actual um, stats or data on how lack of sleep or disrupted sleep impacts performance? So I know you mentioned like reaction time. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, we've uh, we've done some research looking at kind of what amount of sleep the athletes are getting initially, how their mood looks and how their performance is going and then we'll try and optimize their sleep for a few weeks. So we'll try and limit that blue light from the electronic devices before, right before bedtime. We might have them incorporate a short 15-minute nap. And we really want to try and get them maybe just even a half hour more sleep per night. Mm-hmm. And what we find is that after that sleep optimization, their reaction time improves, their performance, so depending on the sport, um, in speed skaters, their race times improved. They were faster off of the off of the start line. So um, it certainly it certainly can in, definitely impact your performance for the better if you're getting optimal sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that sounds like all things as athletes we'd want there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking when you're talking about that correlation between sleep disturbance and mood, I'm, I'm just wondering, is there any kind of research out in terms of sleep disturbances over time and then kind of risk for burnout in athletes? Mm, good question. Oh, that's a great <laughs> question. I'm not familiar with any research on that area, but it's a lot of times it's difficult to study athletes over long periods of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're short, they're, maybe a little hesitant to participate in research to begin with um, just because they're trying to juggle so many things. But um, that is a very interesting question. And my suspicion would be, yes, that with 
long-term sleep disturbance occurring, you know, across multiple seasons that those athletes would probably be more likely to, um, to burn out more easily. Okay. There was, there actually was a study that comes to mind um, looking at sleepiness in baseball players. Mm. And they found that those who were more sleepy when they studied them, I believe it was maybe a three-year period or they looked at these players who participated initially. And what they found was that those who were more sleepy, um, were a lot of them were no longer in the league. So, um, yes, I think that certainly sleep disturbances can lead to, um, you know, maybe bowing out early of, of your particular sport. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking sleep and baseball. Like, they oh. play so many games, and the games are so long. I can, I'd well, be napping out there. All the <laughs> travel and the, the jet lag. and mm-hmm. yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy how many games they play. Yeah, that'd be an interesting population to study around sleep. Um, what are some tips for athletes to make sleep part part of their game plan? Sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, what are some yeah, what are some tips for athletes to make um, sleep a part of their game plan and to make it a priority? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, I mean, absolutely trying to make sleep a priority is, is really important. You have to schedule it in as a part of your training. So training is important. Obviously, that makes you good at your sport. But what's going on, you know, the other 20 hours in the day um, and certainly trying to plan sleep into your schedule is really important and potentially scheduling and napping as a part of your training as well. So napping is a huge strategy that we use. Uh, We typically recommend about a 15-minute nap with maybe a longer nap on your days off because then you're not getting into the deeper stages of sleep where you feel groggy, wake up, and then not want to train. So kind of keeping those naps under 30 minutes most of the time, but then incorporating a longer nap potentially once or twice a week. As long as you're not a uh, swimmer or someone getting up really early, then we would want to have that longer nap every day. Um, Definitely limiting blue light, so blue and bright light before bedtime, because as we approach bedtime in the two to three hours before bedtime, we start to see a release of melatonin. And melatonin is our sleepiness hormone. It makes us sleepy. It also helps us stay asleep. And so the blue light from our electronics, the blue light and the bright light from our overhead lights um, can can impact our melatonin. Mm-hmm. So trying to dim the lights, trying to put those electronic devices away um, because it's not just about the light, it's also about the interaction with the device. Mm-hmm. Um, about an hour before bedtime is really important. Then having definitely a good pre-sleep routine is something that we recommend. So having, you know, definitely putting those devices away is a part of it, dimming those lights, but then also having maybe do a a light yoga session, some stretching, um, and then 
you know, right before bed, maybe do a to-do list, get some of those thoughts off mm, your mind. That's a great idea. And um, additionally, some relaxation and breathing techniques before bedtime. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Yeah. Is there a like a magic number of how much sleep younger athletes should get or say a magic number for let's say a 37-year-old mom. (laughs) What's the magic number? Is this in a perfect world or in the real world? (laughs) That's a great question. There's a lot of individual variability in the amount of sleep that we need. So it really depends. Um, For an adult, we're looking at somewhere between seven and nine hours of sleep per night. For a teen, more like eight to ten. Um. And a lot of people say, oh, I can get by on six hours or less sleep per night. You know, I'm fine. I'm performing well. But in reality, it's less than 1% of the population that can actually perform well under that type of sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely trying to hit that minimum seven-hour mark if you're an adult and then more of a minimum eight to 10 mm-hmm. if you're 18 is is really important. And I can see like if an athlete, a young athlete's going to bed at 10 and getting up at six for an early morning practice, that's eight hours. That's like, that's the minimum. And most athletes are going to bed later Uh, or getting up even earlier. So (laughs) that makes sense about those naps needed. I know. And it's, um, and, and I'm talking, I'm talking the amount of sleep. I'm not talking about the time in bed. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You would probably need even more. Um, You'd probably, you know, go to bed at 10, wake up at 7, have about nine hours in bed to achieve more of that eight-hour mark, Mm -hmm. which is, it's simply, you know, it's simply not doable for a lot of people depending on their schedule. So supplementing with a nap, and even if it's a 15-minute nap after school, you know, any any amount is going to be helpful. And it's going to help accrue across the week. Definitely thinking about your sleep across the week. So can you sleep in maybe an hour longer on the weekend? Can you get to bed earlier, maybe a few times during the week? Um, just trying to think of that sleep need across the week is, is what we recommend for people. So if I need eight hours of sleep, eight times seven, 56 hours, I want to be in bed a little bit longer than that. But, you know, if I have a meeting or something where I have to get up early, can I make up for that lost sleep across the week? Um, but not going too far to where on the weekends you're sleeping until noon <laughs> and then not being able to fall asleep at Sunday night, you know. So yeah. being a little bit more conservative with, with the time that you're sleeping in. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot with my college athletes. It's like, no, you can't make it up on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, right. Yeah, it gets them all off that following week. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Bender, you've given us a lot of great tips and insight. At the end of the interview, we always like to ask how you live out the fit philosophy. So how do you balance your performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self? Well, I, um, I mean, it was really challenging having a newborn early on. Um, so definitely I would nap during the day. Um, and that was really, really helpful. And so my youngest, uh, he's, as I said, he's almost one. Um, and I really, really emphasize, I knew with two other older kids that 
that napping would be huge for me. So the older kids, um, one kind of nap, the other one didn't. I would have them do kind of quiet time in their room, and then I would nap for about 30 minutes while the baby was napping as well. So that was uh, really important for me to uh, try and make up for a lot of that lost sleep at night. Um, And then also a big one for me is uh, caffeine intake. Mm. So I am a big uh, proponent of decaf coffee. Um, There was a study that showed even a 7 a.m. 200 milligrams of caffeine can impact your brain waves at night. So um, for me, I drink decaf coffee. I actually feel it took a while for me to uh, get the caffeine out of my system. And, and to be honest, that wasn't while my son was really young. This just recently happened. Um, so, and I feel energized. I mean, I feel energized in the morning. I don't need that cup of coffee to help get me through the day. So um, that was really important, limiting, limiting caffeine intake and the napping are uh, are one of my two main uh, strategies. <laughs> you should see the look of disappointment on my face about the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have no idea that it, it lasts that long. And I know, like, my husband can drink coffee right before bed. I don't know if, if more if people are sensitive to it or not. I know I, I can't drink coffee after a certain time. But 7 a.m., that's a long-lasting mm-hmm. um, impact. Yes, it depends. It depends on your um, genotype. It depends on your genes. So are you a a fast metabolizer? or Are you a slow metabolizer? I'm more sensitive to caffeine. And so I just know for myself, um, I do love the taste of coffee. I do love the smell of coffee. So that's why I can, you know, I'm drinking coffee, but it's just decaf or I could go to a coffee shop and order a decaf you know, vanilla latte because I like the taste. They they do look at me a little weird, but um, <laughs> but I can still enjoy that coffee um, without the caffeine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a little bit of caffeine, but without a lot of caffeine. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, Dr. Bender, again, I love this topic. It's so interesting, and um, you have a very interesting job. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about sleeping athletes today. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, have a good one. Take care. Okay, you too. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye, Queens. Thank you to our sponsor today, Sentimano Counseling. Sentimano Counseling is the premier perinatal mental health practice in Kansas City, treating mood disorders during pregnancy and postpartum, perinatal loss, infertility, eating, and exercise disorders. Go to sentimano.com for further information about the practice and services. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.